Hello and welcome to Hot Girls with me, Lex on the Decks. This is the show where we explore the mechanics of the music industry through intimate conversations on creativity and through biographical explorations of the lives of some really iconic artists. This week, I'm going to be looking at an artist who, if I'm totally honest, I really knew nothing about before deciding deliberately to look into her. I was like, this woman is iconic, why don't you know anything about her? She's one of the best rappers of all time, one of the highest charting females, and in her prime was undeniable. But I'm sure lots of people now don't know her music. She rose alongside Nas and Jay-Z. She was famous at the age of 16, and by the time she was 18, she'd sold over 2 million copies of her records. She's also the one artist Nicki Minaj credits above all others as an influence. This is an episode about talent, as told via the journey of Foxy Brown. Ladies, gentlemen, listen up. You're listening to Hot Girls with Lex on the deck. We in the mix. It's fire. Keep it going. We on fire. From London for the world. Let's go in. 17 years before a label bidding war took place, Inga Marchand was born in Brooklyn. Her mum was Trinidadian and a school teacher, and she raised Foxy as a single parent after Foxy's dad left the family. She was a middle child um, and she had a good, stable family home under the care and guidance of her mother, who was a great believer in the power and importance of education. But I'm from Brooklyn, definitely. But I, I want to applaud my mother. I just want to take this time. I know it's not like the normal thing to do, but I do want to applaud her because my mother's a school teacher. She raised us a single parent. My family is from Trinidad. They're from the West Indies. So we had a, a, a very good upbringing. We didn't always have everything, but she instilled a certain amount of morals in us that we always kept embedded in us as children. You know, she would definitely say, it's, it's not me and such and such, it's he and I and she and I. You know, she was just really good at that. And I really want to applaud her for that because it helped. So the rap gods owe her mother credit for her immaculate articulation. In her early teens and in the early 90s, Foxy discovered the hip hop which was growing in culture. And she totally embraced and obsessed it. She would lock herself away in her bedroom and practice on her own rhymes for hours on end. As she started to emerge and share these with family and friends, her talent was obvious. I once read a quote from Jay-Z that talked about the work you do in the dark. He said, you don't need to let people know how hard you work in the dark, but you do need to do that work. And I think that's what this cocooning period was for Foxy. However, I said this was an episode about talent. And while talent isn't a word I generally like to use, and I'm generally skeptical about the concept of talent, I think it's accurate in the case of Foxy Brown. By the time she came out of her bedroom, she was a crafted polished rapper. She entered a local talent competition in 1994, aged 15 or 16, and she won. With her mother being such a fan of education and creating that focus environment, Foxy at this stage was just trying the public thing. It wasn't that she'd, or as far as we can tell, it wasn't that she'd been obsessing being a pop star. She was just spending time creating in an area that she enjoyed. She won that competition and as a result was then invited to freestyle on stage at an event. There were some hip hop producers in the crowd at that event who went by the name The Trackmasters. And they at that time were working on LL Cool J's new album. I said that like such a mum. Um, they were excited by Foxy and they invited her to come down to their studio. She did some verses and ended up on her first commercial record with a verse on I Shot Yeah, one of the tracks on the album that became a hit. And in fact, that song still has weight today. 
It was only added to YouTube three years ago, so a good 20 years after its original release, and it has over 2 million views. The track also featured a verse from Fat Joe. Do, do, do. At this point of transitioning into having a commercial release, Inga adopted the name Foxy Brown to rap under. It wasn't a new name, it was actually someone else's, uh, someone who was an icon at the time, and Inga reached out to her to ask permission to use the name, which to her represented excellence and power. I couldn't, I couldn't find a name, and, and, and I was 14, 15 years old, and Jay-Z and I were in a studio, and we had this, this hit record, and Jay-Z's like, what's your name going to be? What's, what are you going to say? And I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But I've always been a fan of Pam. And I said, so they came out with, you know, why don't you say Coffee or Friday Forster or Sheba Baby, one of her other movies. I said, no, baby, I got to be Foxy Brown, the one and only. Come on. The one and only. Now. From that first release, things then kind of catapulted forwards for Foxy in a way that I think everyone dreams that their career will. And I guess that's a little bit of what I want to unpack in this episode is that maybe that's not something we should aspire for. But she was invited to work with a string of established artists and featured on tracks by Case, Jay-Z, Total and Tony Braxton. Some of those singles sold gold or platinum and this was all over about a year-long period when Foxy was finishing high school. So as an unsigned artist, she'd already had a string of really big hits through features Because of this success and popularity, Foxy didn't have the hustle around signing to a label that most fledgling artists have. In fact, there was a bidding war around which label would get the opportunity to release her first album as a solo artist. And the winner was one of the most iconic hip-hop labels of all time, which had been founded by Rick Rubin and Russell Simmons 10 years before. Def Jam Records. After signing with the label at the beginning of 1996 as a 17-year-old, Foxy went straight into the studio with the producers I mentioned before, the Trackmasters, and what she created became hugely significant both for her own career and for the success of Def Jam as a label who, following that album and a merger, Russell Simmons sold his shares in for a reported $100 million. Ka-ching! So what was the album like? Called Il Nana, after one of the singles on the album, it was an announcement that Foxy Brown had arrived. She was sexy and polished. Her rhymes were really slick. The album included huge features from people like Jay-Z, Method Man and Blackstreet. There were also some amazing names on the writer credits from Lionel Richie to Luther Vandross. It was an album of hits. And it sold over 100,000 copies in its first week and debuted at number seven on the Billboard chart, which if you compare to the debut success of other artists we've looked at so far this season, Khalees and Queen Latifah, Foxy was a different level. She was super, super popular by this debut stage. Shortly after the release of that album, Foxy joined a group named The Firm. Because that crew had worked together before, hip-hop fans had really high hopes for the album that they would produce, but generally critical opinion was that it could have been better. The album entered the American album chart at number one, showing the demand for it. And this was in 1997. However, the group didn't feel like a long-term thing, I guess. Um, the initial single they'd worked on together had promised, but it, 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 they disbanded fairly quickly from being a group and they all just focused on their solo careers. I think general critical reception around the album was that it was disappointing um, and they were stronger apart than together. <laughs> in 1999, Foxy had her own independent number one album. 
Her second album, often the trickiest to get right, was called China Doll, and it was a smash hit. The individual singles didn't perform as well as the album as a whole, uh, perhaps suggesting that she had a very dedicated group of followers to her sound who wanted it all, you know, uh, rather than a lot of people who just want the popular single. This was a year after Lauren Hill's The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. So I really wanted to take a moment to think of 1999 and that period of time as a really exceptional time to be a woman in hip hop, in America particularly, just before the turn of the millennium. 2001 saw Foxy release her next album, Broken Silence. So including The Firm, this was Foxy's fourth album and she was only 22 years old, which is kind of mad. The album went to number five and so was another big success for Foxy. It cemented her as one of the biggest rappers from New York. She'd also evolved her image a bit at this time. Her earlier albums and aesthetic was much like Lil' Kim's. It was considered very raunchy and sexy and provocative. It was that template for female, for women in rap that we have come to expect. Um, but at this album, it wasn't so much toned down, but just more evolved into being a bit less sex and a bit more swag. I think when you launch, it can help people to have like a simple and exaggerated identity for you. So you become very recognizable and easy to read. It's almost easier for people if you are one dimensional, but then at some point you then kind of evolve from that. The other great thing that she she really did with this album was incorporating a lot of dancehall styles. And she said that was something Lauren Hill said to her, like, please keep doing that. That is so cool and special that you do that. The first single, Oh Yeah, really is like Foxy rapping over like a Jamaican rhythm. Um, and this was a style that she really honed. And when you look at the early music of Nicki Minaj or Steph London, who I'll talk about a bit later, you can see the legacy and impact of that approach. They both really explored this space as well and have credited Foxy as being a big influence. Nicki in particular, I mentioned it earlier, but has heralded her as the iconic artist of her growing up, which is part of what triggered her feud with Kim. Again, we'll get into feuds later. I don't know if you guys remember too much of Nikki's earlier material, but she worked on a song with Mavado called Give It All To Me. And she also did the track Hold You, which were both dancehall tracks. Let me tell you something. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I believe in giving props where props are due. And sometimes it happens to be one person that has influenced me more than any other woman. You know what? I, I want to bring the baddest bitch out that ever did this shit. The baddest bitch that ever did this shit. Unfortunately, things start to get a bit chaotic for Foxy after this point. She started working immediately on her next album. She definitely had that consistent work ethic where she would just keep rolling. Uh, and that next album was Il Nana 2, The Fever. However, Foxy had a fallout of some description with Diddy, who at that time was one of the presidents of the label she was signed to. She'd created 28 tracks for the album when the label cancelled its promotion and release. Can you imagine? All that work and someone's like, nope, I don't like you. It's not happening. I mean, I'm sure Diddy had his reasons, but really? 
Foxy cut ties with Def Jam and went to work on her next album independently. However, someone stepped in and said, Foxy, don't go. We want you at Def Jam. And in terms of rap talent at this point, Foxy Brown was one of the biggest selling in the world, male or female. She had also managed to do something not too many black hip-hop artists had and broaden the appeal of hip-hop amongst pop audiences. So she became uh, the face of Calvin Klein, covering billboards for them. At the same time as she was on the cover of Essence magazine, she crossed over those often divided by race kind of worlds and spaces. Anyway, I said that someone brought her back to Def Jam and that someone was none other than Jay-Z. He was going to launch his own label and instead was made the CEO of Def Jam. The pair were very close at that time and he convinced the undeniable feisty Foxy to rework on the album with the label. And so she got back in the studio with the best. Not only the Trackmasters, her longtime collaborators, but also the Neptunes, Timberland and Kanye West. All the producers who were involved in Jay-Z's The Black Album. So it probably would have been a phenomenal album. It was to be called Black Roses. And I really believe it would have been one of those iconic rap albums, but something very heartbreaking happened to Foxy and really just destroyed it all. Cool. You guys get along pretty well? Yeah, yeah. Fox, she's, 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 she's a baby, but she listens to me, you know what I mean? She's tough, you know what I mean? She, she's a strong, she's a strong, she's a brat. Well, she listens to me, so it's cool. You know what I mean? Baby girl, she's good. She's cool people. Foxy's struggles go back to 2000, before the release of the Broken Silence album. She announced she was suffering from depression, and she was also suffering from addiction-related issues. However, unlike a lot of people, her addiction wasn't to illegal substances. It wasn't that she was like the big party gal, but to opiates, which she'd been prescribed and had become addicted to. So it was legal medication that she was struggling with, to the point that she could no longer record or perform music without morphine. So she went to rehab for this addiction. She also had issues managing her temper, which you heard Jay-Z alluding to earlier. Uh, in 2004, she was arrested for attacking two manicurists at a nail salon, which I can't imagine quite would have, would have been worth fighting about. Um, but that led to her being arrested and serving prison time. She was also arrested again for assault charges after throwing her phone at her neighbor's face in 2007. Um, and the same year, she'd also been arrested for throwing a glue gun at someone in a hair salon. So don't mess with Foxy when you're doing her, her vision. <laughs> um, okay, so a lesson from Foxy, let it go. Because anger eats you more than it eats the person you're angry at. She did do jail time and it was not good for her. Despite, as she says, people were being very nice to her in jail. When she went there, we lost, ta- we lost time and we lost a lot musically. In terms of the real incident, which was significant though, that happened in 2005 while she was preparing herself for her aunt's funeral. I have the best surgeon in the world who specializes in ear problems and, and, and the operations and, and surgeries. And we couldn't, Wednesday night, I was up shooting the cover of Zeppelin with Jay-Z, Kanye and LeBron. And Thursday morning I woke up and I couldn't hear anything. I was completely deaf, 100%. She lost her hearing. She went deaf overnight. I was thinking about this this morning. We kind of take our senses for granted. I think it's not very often that people talk about, oh, the worst, you know, I'd, you think about losing your job, but you don't think about losing a sense, like losing your hearing. And if you love music, it would be up there with one of the things that I would want to lose least in terms of the power it has over your emotions in life. 
as she was in Brooklyn, Jay-Z was about to leave the country. He found out Foxy had lost her aunt, so he cancelled his flight to be by her side at the funeral. And when he got there, she told him that she had woken up deaf. I'm going to play another clip of her talking about this experience, but just to caveat and just warn you, it's quite traumatic in some ways hearing her talk about the emotional impact of that. So hopefully this isn't too distressing for you and I promise we'll lift it back up through this episode by the end or a little bit. He's there waiting. I have to talk to him. Right. And he's texting me going, pick up the phone. I tell you something. I can't pick up the phone because I can't hear. So you, I just go straight there. Right. And, I, and, I, and he tells me something in my ear and I said, I can't. Right. Yeah, I can't hear you. She spoke loud. I, I can't, I can't hear you, shock calm, shiny shock. I'm like, Sean, I can't hear you. He's like, he spoke up. I said, yeah, I'm deaf. Mm. I can't hear anything. Right. I can't go in there. I can't go in there. We're in the festival, the church. I can't go in there. I can't hear He, I've never seen him that emotional. He looked broken, just mm. broken. The good news is that her hearing came back six months later. But then with that and going to jail, Foxy's magic as an artist and her consistency of release never really returned. Many people have wanted to work with her and um, she went on stage and performed with Nicki Minaj. But for some reason, the releases just never, never came. Much like the phenomenal Miss Lauren Hill. Something about the emotional pressure of being so brilliant, so young, and the crushing intensity of the industry she was surrounded by made that continuation difficult for her. And so much of the material she recorded around the early 2000s just never made it out. So now I just want to take a step back and look at a few very specific things as they relate to Foxy's career. Foxy grew alongside Jay-Z and Nas, but they kept going and Foxy didn't. I think Jay's role as a label president was hugely important. So I want to call that out first. By not just being the rapper, he protected himself financially and legacy-wise from ever going out of fashion or ever not having the popularity vote. I also want to mention that for Jay, the Black Album, which was the album I mentioned, which had 99 Problems, Changed Clothes, Encore and Dirt Off Your Shoulder, uh, so his biggest selling singles, that was his eighth studio album. So... As an artist, you need time to evolve. There's often this pressure to like have a brilliant second album or a brilliant third album. But what if the magic is in your eighth album or your ninth album? How are we going to protect talent to make sure they get there? Interestingly enough, one of Jay-Z's top selling singles, Higher Than 99 Problems, was Al B, which is a Foxy Brown track featuring Jay-Z. The other thing I want to call out is Foxy's age, because again, we in the industry, people celebrate and think it seems to be a great thing to have success young. Foxy was so young when she arrived on the scene and she was quite naive to the industry. She wasn't prepared for it or clear about what to take seriously and what not to. I think that's really dangerous for mental health to have the feeling that you've peaked at 25. Another thing I want to touch on a bit is beef, rap beef. Foxy was feisty and her beef with little Kim just went on for way too long. There was a situation recently where Steph London, who'd who'd formed a good relationship with Foxy, released an album and mimicked Lil' Kim album cover for the cover. And Foxy unfollowed her on Instagram. Beef can be good if it lasts for about two or three months because it can elevate you and it it essentially gives people something to talk about any longer than that. And it just becomes a bitter, angry place and you just don't need that. So just don't do it, guys. (laughs) But even though Foxy has that history, if you look at her on socials now, she is really active in bigging up some of the new figures in rap. 
So from Malibu Mitch to Dreezy, um, she's really, really committed to shouting and celebrating other women. So the City Girls as well. I think that Foxy has definitely kind of evolved from that place. And it's really nice to see the respect that these up-and-coming girls have for her and her craft and her talent and her the influence she had on them. It's nice to then see her kind of putting that back and shouting them out. Genius. I don't know. I don't, I don't forget how genius, but it came back to me how brilliant Foxy Brown is. Like her, all her albums, she was rhyming with giants. Yeah. She was yes. rhyming with giants going hard, you know, every album. And I'm like, just talking to her, all the stuff that she's saying. And she has a daughter, a beautiful daughter now, Baby C, dropping jewels. Foxy, Foxy just beasted us out and she just represents empowerment. We're talking about what we're talking about. And she comes in there and just slays it as the strong, powerful woman that she is, that we, we bow down to her as a queen. So I guess to wrap up, ultimately, I can't pretend that I don't find Foxy's story a little bit sad because of how naturally talented she was. She delivered so much, but I wish that she was still delivering music and still having the... I think that she should be where someone... I mean, I've mentioned him a lot this episode, but she should be alongside Jay-Z. So if there's any women up and coming who are listening to this, like try and get those backstage involvements as well as the ones in, in the spotlight, because that might help cement you and you can keep making music at the same time. However, Foxy has had a huge impact, a huge impact. We probably wouldn't have Nicki Minaj if we didn't have Foxy Brown and all the other women and the the support that her and Lauren Hill gave each other to produce the music that they did. So while her impact may not be what it could be right now, she created music that will never be erased. So Foxy Brown, thank you. And thank you guys for listening. Hope you're having a great week and I'll see y'all next week. What up, Lynn?